Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I'm going to speak to you on the subject this morning of outlast everything. Outlast everything. Trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him. He shall direct thy path, or in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. I think we're living in a day right now where so many young people are just so worried about the path. Like through Instagram and social media, it's like, oh, my friend, yeah, they're going to Stanford, or, or this person is doing this or that. And uh, we get caught up in this really horrible place of comparison where we feel like our path has got to fit a certain type of mold, and it's got to flow in a certain type of direction. But the greatest thought that I ever learned, the greatest truth I ever learned in life is that if you just spend your life acknowledging God, the path will take care of itself. Acknowledging Him with encouraging word that you have, acknowledging Him with whatever's in your hand to use. There's so much more joy in standing on the right side of the dream that God has for you by simply trusting Him and acknowledging Him with whatever you have now loving what you have right now, valuing what you have right now, feeling that what you have right now is the most important thing in all the world, be where you are right now, want to be where you are right now, and acknowledge God with whatever you have. And I learned that lesson the hard way because when I came to pastor in L.A. at 20 years of age, my father, Tommy Barnett, um, was looking for a pastor to come to L.A. to pastor a church in the middle of the biggest gang-ravaged community in all of Los Angeles. We were number one for crime and gangs and uh, during that time. And, and so my dad was trying to find a pastor because he didn't want to lose the building to the banks. They were going to take it over. And, um, and my dad just simply said yes to somebody who asked him about the building, if he could take it over because he just didn't want to lose it to the world. And so he said, I'll just figure something out. And so he invited uh, 10 uh, uh, people to go look at the church and pastoring. And my dad, you know, he's like, hey, the church is on Sunset Boulevard. Everybody's thinking it's, it's down by the clubs are. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, wait, no. People don't realize Sunset starts by Dodger Stadium, you know? And, uh, and uh, he said, uh, I, 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 and so he, all of them turned around the neighborhood, and they looked, and they saw gang members sitting on the front steps. And every single one of those guys said, I don't feel led of the Holy Spirit to come and pastor this church. And uh, so my dad says, son, can you help me for three months? I'll give you 10 sermons to memorize, my greatest hits, and then, and then you'll be done and you'll leave. You can just memorize and preach them until we find a real pastor. I said, okay, dad, I'll help you for three months. We've been there for 29 years, and we're still looking for, we're still looking for the real pastor. I think the guy from Canada could take my job. He was awesome. Amen. I mean, that dude was awesome. He's funny, good. Got people standing up during the offering, but uh, we're still looking for the real pastor, you know. And, and it was tough, you know. I, I remember one night looking out, hoping somebody would show up, and then a, a car pulled up in a parking lot um, attached to the church. I said, I guess it looks like I'm going to have church because two people are showing up. My church went from 18 to 2 in six months. We wrote the book on, on church reduction. Like, I'm an expert at reducing your church. I put the plants on stage, you know, and. I had Oregon on one side, I moved it to the other, lost half my church the first week, 
I mean, I did everything wrong, you know. And, and one night, those two people were walking by the building. I said, man, we're going to have church tonight. People are showing up. I took my Bible, and then I watched them walk past the church, and then they went to the liquor store that was right next to the church. So I just went right with them. I was discouraged, you know. I just... I said that in Tulsa, and they were like, I say that here, they're like, oh, that's awesome, amen. That's, that's, that's actually funny, right, because you're like real Christians. And, um, and so I'm walking around, you know, and uh, nobody showed up. But one night I was so discouraged, and God spoke a word to me. He said, I want you to stop your crying, and I want you to go to Echo Park and Skid Row, and I want you to take a prayer walk until I tell you to stop. Seven-hour prayer walk, it turned into, I walked through Skid Row and the homeless encampments. I went to the neighborhoods and saw families piled into apartments trying to survive. I saw helicopters that were looking for criminals in Echo Park. And that night, God spoke a word to me that changed my life. He said, tonight in this park, I want you to die to the dream of being a success. Nothing wrong with it for other people. It works for some people. But for you, I need you to go home and rip up your five-year plan. I need you to rip up your 10-year plan, and all I want you to do is live under the freedom of acknowledging me with whatever I put in your hand. Whatever you have, love what you have, use what you have, and I want you not to commit yourself to success. I want you to commit yourself to the longevity of the vision and stay here for the rest of your life and serve the city of L.A. Hey, that became freedom because I didn't have to worry about accomplishing everything overnight. I have the rest of my life. Amen. And, and, and something began to happen. I began to love what I had. And, and I said, God, I don't have anything but a desk. So I move it on the sidewalk. And every day, all the mamas be walking their kids to school every day. And I would sit up there with the phone. And I'd study for my sermon. I'd buy three bags of food. And they would walk by. And they would say, hola, abuelo, which means whitey in Spanish. And I'd be like, hey, I got three bags of food. And I'd go to the garment district and buy those really cheap soccer balls for like $2 back then. And, uh, and I'd just kick it to the kid, and we'd be playing kid, uh, soccer in the neighborhood. And, uh, and I'd go, who's your favorite team? And he would tell me, and then I would learn all the players of, of the, the Mexican national soccer team. I would learn the names of the players. I'd be like, Jadio Suarez, the old school. I know. He played really good last week, didn't he? And uh, it would just be talking, what? How does this guy know this, you know? And, but what happened was God spoke to me. He said, I don't want you to expect people to come into your world. I want you to put yourself in somebody else's world. And then they showed up next week, and they'd be like, hola, guarito, which means little whitey in Spanish. And, uh, and, then, and then the church went from 1,800 to 2, went from 2 to 700. And the next year, not even thinking about the word success, and 90% of my church was homeless. I would bust them to church 90%. I would go up to preach and have a beautiful sermon already prepared. And then people would be like uh, flashing gang signs at another in the church or uh, cussing and yelling out, you know, I'm the 13th disciple in the middle of the church, you know. And, and so, like, I would just freestyle preach. I went, the spirit of Eminem came upon me. I would go, I'd go, up, to, I'd go up to church and be like, What's going on today? Okay, making out. I'm going to preach on relationships and uh, drug dealing over there, why drug dealing is bad, you know. And Everything that I thought that I wanted went to rock bottom. But can I tell you that rock bottom is one of the greatest places you could ever go in life? Don't despise rock bottom. Don't, people, don't count people out in rock bottom because rock bottom is where God recreates people in rock bottom. You dream different dreams from rock bottom. Rock bottom is where I found out that I love people in the prison system. Last month, we had 40 people sentenced to the Dream Center for a year instead of five years in prison. The judges are pounding the gavel saying, you're being sentenced to the house of God. Amen? 
Everybody's trying to lock everybody up. We're trying to set people free. Amen. And lives are being, and all this was happening, and uh, it didn't look like I thought, you know. And, and I began to understand that, that what God was doing was something so extraordinary. And, uh, and all I was doing was just loving what I had, serving, uh, making a big deal about whatever I had. Never say to yourself, I will be happy when I get somewhere. When this happens, then I. If this happens, then I. No, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Love what you have right now. Don't fall in love with agendas that might not even be what you were initially called to do anyways. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He shall direct thy path. My son, 17 years old, this summer, he fell in love with Skid Row. He was working with all the youth groups that come in to serve. He went out to the streets with them, and he's just so chill. I mean, he just, he goes out on Skid Row and talks to people, and uh, he said, Dad, I don't know how I'm going to reach the people out there. I mean, they're cussing and swearing at me. He goes, it's cool. They're just dealing with pain. I'm like, that is so mature. And, uh, and uh, but he's just going every week, and then, and then he, he starts inviting people to church and, like, picking them up. I'm like, and then the guy's looking around there, and he's oh, geez, been on Skid Row for, like, 30 years. He'll be like, hey, Caden, how's it going? He's like, hey, what's up? I'm like, what's going on here? He's like, hey, this is what he told me. He said, I just realized that the most important message I can bring people on Skid Row is just to keep showing up. Just to keep showing up. Just keep showing up. It breaks down every single wall. I didn't understand anything in L.A. I didn't understand gangs. I didn't understand violence. None of that. God spoke to me and he said, quit trying to figure out if you know how to do something. I haven't called you to be relevant. I've called you to be revolutionary. The one thing that's going to matter the most is who stays the longest is going to win the battle for the influence. Whoever stays the longest will win the battle of your influence. Hang in there, parent, when that kid seems to not listen to one thing that what you're saying. Because when it's all said and done, you'll be the one standing when everyone else leaves them along the way. You outlast. Outlast your greatest fear. Outlast your greatest regret. Outlast the one mistake that you've made when you go to bed at night and say, I wish I could do it all over again. Outlast it. Keep going. Trust God. Yeah, and begin to understand that what happens is when you outlast things, you start changing your past. The world says you can't change your past, but you can change your past by changing what you do right now. Because what you do right now will be your past tomorrow. So you can change your past by changing what you do right now. Because If anybody knows what I said, please explain it to me right now. Amen. You can change your past by changing what you do right now. Outlast your greatest fear. Outlast your critics. Outlast the battles. Outlast people that say, that label you or try to mock you or whatever. Just, just keep going. My, my dad used to always tell me, he says, son, just smile and have a good spirit when people mock you and just act like everybody loves you. I'm like, that's pretty good life theory right there, right? Outlast everything. And then the whole neighborhood, we're having houses and we're doing rehab programs. And I'm living with two guys that had drug problems trying to figure out how to do a rehab program just because God told me to. And we had a little house in the neighborhood, two houses, three, outgrew the whole neighborhood. And one day I'm driving down the Hollywood Freeway and I see this big old hospital on the, Holly, on the Hollywood Freeway. And I pull over to the side. I'm like, this is amazing. It says for sale. I'm praying for a building. It says for sale. And I see the Dream Center Hospital on the campus. 400,000 square feet right by Dodger Stadium. Forgive me, Padre fans. And I, and I, see, I see the hospital. And I pulled it aside and it said for sale. And, and they're filming a movie there. And Brad Pitt was walking around filming a movie. And I went right after Brad Pitt because I'm not intimidated by Brad Pitt. I'm intimidated by your pastors, but I'm not intimidated by him. I said, Brad Pitt, how you doing, man? He stopped. He looked at me and he said, are you Pastor Barnett? 
He goes, I watch you every Friday night on TBN. No, he didn't say that. I'm just messing with you. That did not happen. Sorry. I just, it's just, every once in a while, I, I, he took a cigarette and he just used my head. And, but anyways, I went to the building and I said, I want to buy the building. 22 years of age. How much is it? And they said, do you have uh, $16 million? Because Paramount Studios is going to buy it, turn to a movie set for $16 million. I said, no, but I have a dream. They weren't impressed. They kicked me out of the building and wouldn't even allow me to get a tour of the building. You'll say, what did you do? Well, I saw a back door and a security guard wasn't looking. Because sometimes the Lord will give you a literal open door. Amen. He sneezed, looked to the left. I snuck in the building. And I gave myself a tour of the building anyways, illegally. I had one eye on Jesus and one eye on the security guard that was trying to arrest me. I said, Lord, give me a quick vision. Sometimes you got to get a dream and look from behind. And, and I walked through the 15 floors, and God spoke to me. He said, this floor is going to be for homeless families one day, to have a place for a year where they can live in and get their lives back together. This is going to be for people with drug addiction. This is going to be for homeless veterans. This is going to be for trafficking victims. And I went to the, the top of the roof, and I looked over L.A. and Hollywood, and I saw the city, and God spoke to me. He said, if the pimps can work 24 hours a day, if the adult film industry, which preys on runaway girls and, and guarantees them lodging and shelter, and before long, they're doing favors to pay off things that they never even asked for, but people were there first to meet them there. If they can work 24 hours a day, the liquor stores are open. If all that can be open, why not build a church that will be open 24-7? And God spoke to me. He said, I want to give you this building. Now, has God ever spoke to you something that you that's going to happen, but you still didn't believe? But, I, I, but we gave it a shot anyways. We went into the, uh, the, the hospital, and we said, look, we want to buy this building. And I, my dad was there. We're like, you know, we just want to open up a place that helps people 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and use every uh, uh, square inch of this building. And, and the nuns that we met talked to began to cry. They just cried, and they said, this is beautiful. Go ahead and make us an offer. I looked at my dad. He looked at me. We didn't expect a meeting to go that good. <laughs> and uh, we said, $3.9 million. And they said, ooh, that's kind of low, but you know what? We'll accept your offer for $3.9 million. And for $3.9 million, we had 18 months to raise the money. We were so excited. We were just like, I can't believe we got a building this cheap. Then we realized $3.9 million is a lot of money. <laughs> and, and my church looks like this, the, you know, the studio audience of the Jerry Springer show. And my, <laughs> and my front row looked like the bar scene of Star Wars, you know, and you got, I always like the one guy who appreciates that. This is great. He's like, oh, I remember that. 3.9 million. And, uh, and, and so we, we went to dinner that night, and we just we did a pros and cons list of all the reasons why we should and shouldn't do this. And the cons, we began to write down first, you know, and we began to write down cons. We have no money, $50,000 a year offering. Cons, all of our staff is ex-cons. Cons, uh, they just lined up. And then we're like pros. We're like, what, what's, what, what do you have pros? Oh, um, I go, do you have something? My dad goes, I don't have anything. Do you? I go, I don't really have anything either. And my dad said, well, how about one? I got one. What if? What if God took an iconic place underneath the Hollywood sign that represents picking up the pieces of those who Hollywood has left behind? What if? The most iconic building in all of Los Angeles. And trust me, during COVID, everyone thought we were done. We had government agencies showing up. We had everyone. We were offered $150 million for our building. And you and I did. I said, hmm, no, I didn't do that. 
Because the call of God is not for sale. Lives being impacted is not for sale. I said you could donate that money. And, and, and just and just trying, you know, and, 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 and then we went to the church. We, we had 3.9, and we had nothing. We had six months into it, and people thought we were crazy. We were getting emails from people saying we were reckless and irresponsible, and, like, people saying that you're going to be a blight in the kingdom of God because you tried something, and you're going to lose your other building because of this, and all of the stuff that was coming in. And I was reading these emails, and I wasn't even mad at my haters. I was agreeing with them. Have you ever not even been mad at your haters? You're like, hey, man, you're exactly right. Why are we doing this? But while you're doing it, you know what's happening? Your feet are moving forward because sometimes doubt and fear go hand in hand, but you're still more intrigued, even with all the doubts about what God can do. And one day you wake up and say, oh, Eastlake, yes. Um, San Marcos, yes. Balboa, yes. And before long, you blink and you have eight campuses. Why? Because there are obstacles. There are challenges. But faith just allows you to keep your feet moving forward despite it because you, we will always, I know this church is always more curious with what God can do versus doubts or limitations. And that's what makes faith so powerful and so great. And we had one guy in my dad's church in Phoenix. He said he would quit his church if we went to L.A. because he said L.A. is responsible for a lot of the problems of the world. He's not wrong on that, but uh, he said L.A. is responsible for a lot of the problems. I don't think it's a good investment. He was mad, and he was going to leave our church over. In fact, he was really disappointed, but one day he was in town on business, and he wanted to see the Dream Center and get a tour, and uh, my dad's like, oh, don't, don't invite him. He's negative on the vision, and uh, he's going to just kill our spirit, so we're like, yeah, we're busy, and but <laughs> how many of you know that you, there's only so many calendar days you can push back, and eventually you run out of excuses, you know? It's like, and he's like, um, we want to come by and see it. I said, okay, we'll walk you, we'll show you around. So he got there, we we're walking around, and um, to be honest with you, he wasn't, he didn't look overly impressed by anything, but he was walking, paying attention, and, and uh, we were able to occupy the building for, uh, until, for the first 18 months while we were trying to make, uh, pay it off. And so he was there just asking questions, and we answered them that night. I'll never forget, my dad and I, he said, we want to meet you at Denny's on Sunset Boulevard, which is so random. I mean, Someone with a lot of money wanted to meet you at Denny's. It's like, okay, we'll go. And, um, and so we were there at Denny's that night, and he, this man looked at us. He said, Pastor, I just want you to understand. Please forgive us. He goes, we, we were standing in the way of, I feel like, of this vision, and, and this is so pure, what God wants to do. And he started crying. He said, Pastor, please, I mean, would you just, would you forgive me? And then he just really kind of trembled. And then finally, he pulled out a check, and he said, Pastor, would you forgive me? For staying in the way of God's vision. I look at the check is for $1 million. And I said, you are forgiven in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He said, my son has got as much money as I do. Tell him he's forgiven too. Amen. I'm like, Oprah, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. He gave a million dollars and $2 million came in. And some man from Malaysia showed up. He was, uh, he got, he had a dream in the middle of the night. That the Lord spoke to him of a 24-7 church. He heard what we wanted him to do. He showed up in the middle of the night with bodyguards. And he said, I feel so bad because all my money is allocated to all these different causes. And he said, but um, I do have $500,000 in my little account I can give you. I'm like, no, I only take a million. No. 
He gave 500,000, and then things start happening. And here's what I realize, that you just acknowledge him, he shall direct your path. You acknowledge him by helping the hurting. You acknowledge him by helping those that are broken. You acknowledge him by loving a little bit more when you need someone to love on you. You acknowledge him when, when someone doesn't deserve forgiveness, but you give it away anyways. You spend your life on the right side of the dream, loving God's word, loving his principles, acknowledging him in the trenches every day, and even the ordinary days become bridge moments to the great breakthroughs that God's about to do. And some of you today, you are in the middle of all you have to do is hang in there a little bit longer, and you're going to get to the end of it. Hang in there long enough to see the blessings. Don't quit before the miracle. Don't quit before the checkpoint of another blessing that God's about to do in your life. I, you know, I've had times in 29 years where I thought of quitting uh, here and there, but nothing serious. But when COVID hit, that's when I, for the first time in my life, literally was out the door ready to quit. Have you ever told God that you're quitting and it's been a good run? You're like, God, it's been a good run, hasn't it? Yeah, it's like you're justifying it. You're, you're doing little memories and uh, you're telling God. And but I told God I was going to quit. But here's what I love about God. God is so wonderful that he will oftentimes... He will meet you at your rationale, even though it's not perfect or close to perfect or remotely perfect. And he met me at that place, and he said, well, if you're going to quit, I understand, times are tough, but, but if you're going to quit, just, you know, go out the way that you came into ministry. You, you came into ministry serving from a, a street corner and a sidewalk handing out food, go out that way. And uh, if you're going to leave, leave serving, leave helping people because we lost $2 million in one night when the lockdowns were announced. And the reason why is all of our youth groups and teams that come for lodging, all of that was gone. It's every source of income, everything, like three out of the major sources were gone overnight and we thought we were done. And I told God, I'm, you know, I'm just going to serve it out the last couple of weeks. So I got my, my desk and I didn't tell anybody, I didn't even tell my dad until later, but I said, I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm done. I'm done with the ministry. 29 years, I'm done. And then I'm out there just, you know, sending out the message to people. Three days after the lockdowns were announced, we were driving. I remember driving down the two freeway from Pasadena to downtown and nobody being on the road. Nobody. Like weird. I called the police because they love us down at Rampart. I'm like, Rampart, we're going to start serving people. There. That's an awesome idea. And so we're driving down and there's nobody on the road. And, um, and so I get there, and I just send out the announcement, you know. i just like, hey, we got food. Anybody wants to come by? Come through the drive-thru, get some food. And, and that was it. Well, I didn't realize that the next day there'd be five families and then ten families. Cars were lining up. And before long, we had like 10,000 people a day that were going through the drive-thru. 380 days in a row. 13,870 like meals over the course of like a, a, a half a day, one day that we had. And all this started happening. I told God, I give up. I quit. It's over. And God's like, yeah, yeah, I understand. But before you do that, I need you to feed that food line over there. I'm like, God, we have no money. We keep doing this. He said, I understand. But, but just, and, and what happened was I would say, we need diapers. I would think it, not even pray it. I would think it. And then diapers would show up from like a bank or somebody that I never even met before. And I was thinking things of compassion and that's a beautiful thing about dreaming, about helping others, is like you'll always have provision for something like that. Whether it be in downtown L.A. or some of the neediest parts in Beverly Hills, which are sometimes even more needy. 
And all these different things that were happening and cars were showing up every day. And, uh, and I'm like, God, how is it going to happen? And literally, as I was praying, that, I get a phone call and they, and, uh, this, they say, hello, I'm assistant to, to somebody who, who wants to talk to you, but they want to ask you a question. They heard you're feeding people and they want to donate $50,000. I said, great, who is it? And then, so um, Kanye West gets on the phone. He's like, oh, I heard you guys giving away food. I saw, someone showed me on Instagram. I'm like, yes. He's like, um, he's like, do you guys give it away in Jesus' name? I said, yes, we give it away in Jesus' name. Jesus, Jesus Christ, all of it. I figure I might get 100 grand, you know, going bilingual. And he's like, he's like, I want to donate $50,000 to the Dream Center. And then I said, well, thank you. And then I hung up the phone, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Wait till I get my money right. No, no, then you can't tell me nothing. The things that go through my head. How am I been around for 29 years? Oh, check this out. 15 minutes later, Pat Robertson calls. Kanye West and Pat Robertson, 15 minutes. He said, some people show me the Instagram videos. Keep going, young man. Don't quit. Just keep, keep serving. Keep helping people. Keep a good spirit. He donated 250000 And I began to understand something that... All I had to do was love people because God loves the people that you are trying to help more than you do. And if you stay in it, you don't give up on people. You don't give up on your family. You don't give up on that person who's away from God or that son of your best friend who's dealing with addiction. You don't. You just keep loving the people that God loves. He loves them more than you, and he will give you provision, whether it's financial resources or not even that, even the stamina and the word and the encouragement to keep on going. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Commit yourself to endurance, to commit yourself to staying in it. Commit yourself to outlasting everything, outlasting the the words outlasting the, the, the comments of your parents growing up saying, you'll never amount to anything. You're just going to be like your old man. Once an uh, once addict, always an addict. All these things just outlast them. You keep going, realizing that words don't shape you. The word that God gave you is what shapes you. Hold on to the one thing and the only thing that matters most, and that is what God has spoken over your life. Outlast it all. I've been through those moments of ministry where you throw down your credit card to make payroll, and then God, I get a phone call from a man who says, Pastor, I'll give the Dream Center $150,000 right now if you run the LA, if you run the uh, seven marathons on seven continents on seven days. I'm like, okay, because <laughs> we need $150,000 right now. And then all of a sudden, I realized seven marathons on seven continents on seven days is a lot of work. And the first one's in Antarctica, you know, and... But you know what I've learned? It's so much easier to say yes to wanting to make a difference, yes to change, yes to encourage, and explain to everybody why you can't do something. Keep fighting. Don't lose your spirit. Stay alive. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your path. What's going to happen is if you outlast everything, what's gonna, you're going to get to the place where the other day I was talking to my dad. I said, Dad, how are you doing? He said, I'm clipping off coupons. I said, I've never seen you do that before. He goes, no, no, not those clip, uh, coupons. I'm clipping off coupons of faithfulness 40 years ago that still today God's given me a blessing for four. He goes, I'm clipping off a coupon of loving someone that nobody else would love 20 years ago, and now I'm getting the blessing today. 
Some of you are storing up some coupons that God's given you for times that you think weren't exciting, times that you thought were ordinary, times that you thought weren't remarkable, and you're going to wake up and you start counting your blessings of faithfulness and consistency and outlasting everything. I close with this. And I promise you, this is the only closing. When my dad says closing, it means nothing. It means it's one of five that's about to happen. But I only have one closing. There's a man who's living under the bridges of L.A. every day for 18 years homeless. He would not move. He's, he was famous for being homeless. As a matter of fact, people come by and take pictures for him because he was like really kind of the poster person for homelessness. We wouldn't leave and had a really unbelievable past. And he was, as a child, his, his parents like locked him in um, like drawers as a baby and just horrible things he went through. And we didn't learn this till later, but he was living for years under the bridge and and every day I would drive off the 101 freeway. I'd say, sir, come to the Dream Center to get a meal. He said, no. He wouldn't talk to me. I said, look, I'll give you 20 bucks if you just talk to me for a few minutes. No. Like, I offered him money. I offered him everything. Nothing worked. And one day, a young girl was in town on a short-term missions trip to the Dream Center from Oklahoma. And she said, pastor, I heard that man's homeless. I'm going to go find him under the bridge. I'm going to bring him to the Dream Center. And I thought to myself, yeah, right. God's man of power and faith hasn't been able to do it for 18 years, what makes you think you can do it? I didn't say it, but I thought it because my dad always taught me ministry that somebody says something you believe they can't do, you never tell them that because you don't want to limit God. You just smile and say, praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord. She went under the bridge. She's like, uh, sir, you're coming to the Dream Center to get a meal. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. She grabbed him by the hand and like literally brought him to the food line. I said, how did you get him here? She said, pastor, my youth pastor tells me that we ought to compel people to come into the house of the Lord. And that word compel means to physically force them into the house of the Lord. I guess sometimes you got to go gangster for Jesus, right? I mean... And she brought him to the food line, and there he was standing in the food line, and, and, you know, and he would get his food. He didn't want a Bible study. He didn't want people praying over him or anything. He just wanted free stuff, and he was out of there. And I was getting mad. I'm like, God, this man's not being a good steward of our love. He's just using us to get free stuff. And God spoke to me. He said, let him come by and get all the free stuff that he wants. Because if you want to be a bridge of hope to the world, you've got to allow yourself to be walked on if you want to be a bridge. Let him use you. One day, he's standing in line. He said, older gentleman, he said, Pastor, I want to go into your rehab program. And I'm like, praise the Lord. Because our rehab program is one year. I mean, it's not like the ones in Malibu where they have the whirlpools and the pedicures. I mean, it's beans and rice in Jesus Christ. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like, this guy came to the program. He checked himself in, and he went through a few months. He did well. I said, How, how's that guy doing on the bridge? Pastor, he's actually doing pretty good. He's actually in his sixth month. I go, really? Ah, praise God. I mean, nine months he went through, and then one year, he, they said, Pastor, he's going to graduate this Sunday and give us testimony. He graduated one-year program, and then he went to Bible school, and he graduated Bible school. He got a degree as an official pastor, and now homeless Barry living under the bridge is now Pastor Barry. He's still here all these years. He's still here. He gets up every morning. I see him every day. I go, Barry, how you doing? And Barry's awesome. He's a Christian walking cliche. He's like, blessed by the best. Too blessed to be stressed. My head, not the tail. I mean, he's like, he's awesome. He's like, he's just, and I go, how many times you preach? 18. 
all the people in the food chapel. He goes, how many times you preach? I'm like, couple. Got to pray for his humility along the way. Amen. It's never too late. 18 years under a bridge, it's never too late. It's never too late. And that's our message for a tired, confused world that's so beaten down over the last few years. It's never too late. You can be awakened, outlast everything. We are God's people, and we don't have a different spirit during hard times. We have something the world needs, and the light will always shine brighter when it gets darkest in the world. Outlast everything. Outlast the critical spirit. Find a way to rise above it. Eight campuses in a couple years. That doesn't happen, folks. You're around miracles so much, I think you get used to it. That's okay, because we are too. Not even judging you. It's when you're around it, you have to pinch yourself because others have to tell you that eight campuses in the last couple years, people aren't doing, they're reducing services, everything. This is a miracle. You have pastors who have outlasted everything. Just keep going. Every head bowed, every eye closed, all over this room. First of all, you'll say, I have no endurance because I'm lost. I'm away from God. I feel like I have no strength left in me. I've tried to be a good person. It's not about being a good person. You can't be good enough. The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags, which means the best day that we've ever had spiritually is still as filthy as a dirty rag. It's not about being righteous. It's not about being perfect. It's about being tired of trying to do it yourself and saying, Jesus, I need you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I need to surrender. I need to repent. I need to know you today. If I'm going to outlast the battles and struggles of this world, the good thing about it here is if you get to the end, you have eternal life ready for you and the joy to face the trials while you're here. You can do it. You get to the other side. I'm going to tell someone here, there's, there is life after giving up. Some of you have given up. Can I tell you that there is great dreams after giving up? There is life after giving up. And today you'll say it's time to embrace the life that comes through Jesus, the life I've been searching for, the life I can't conjure up enough spiritual strength or momentum. I just need Jesus to be the Lord of my life. When I say three, if you want to give your life to Christ or come back to Christ today, you just want a relationship with Jesus. When I say three, I want you to raise your hands. One, two, three. Lift them up all over this room. They're going up. Yes, 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 yes. There, 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 there. There, man, I love this church. Hands are going up everywhere. Such honesty, such beautiful vulnerability. Hands going up everywhere. But those of you who raised your hands, you're not going to be alone because I'm also going to pray. I'm done. I'm going to turn to pastor. After this song, he can just take it. I'm going to try to pray for as many people I can. I'm just, going to, I'm just going to anoint people with oil today because God spoke to me something that was so powerful. When I, when I was in the hospital dealing with the stroke that almost took my life 14 months ago, he said, you're going to get through this, and I want you to pray for the rest of your life for people and every service that you preach on the road. I want you to pray for supernatural endurance. And I'm going to pray for supernatural endurance and anoint people that you're going to get out of bed quicker. You're going to bounce back quicker. And God's going to give you renewed courage and vision and strength. And all I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray for you and lay hands and anoint you. Let's pray for supernatural endurance. But everyone who raised your hand to accept Christ and everyone who needs this as well, 
as we sing this song, I want you to come down and I'm ready. I'm ready to pray for people. I'm done talking from here on out. Every single person that just wants to be anointed with fresh oil and supernatural endurance, I want you to come to the front right now as we begin to sing. Are you ready? One, two, three, come on. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.